0: welcome back thank you for staying with us and if you're just joining us welcome we are Real Presence Live and before we head into our next segment I want to invite you to visit our website realpresenceradio.com again realpresenceradio.com for even more great content there you can listen to programming from your local area find a podcast if you missed one of the daily shows submit a prayer intention nominate your favorite priest for donuts and more be sure to check it out realpresenceradio.com And again, I'm Deacon John Foucault. I am hosting today in the absence of Father Rich and Cindy, who are not well. So we ask that you take a moment today, say a prayer for them, a prayer for healing and speedy recovery for both of them so they can join us back on the air as soon as possible. And with me, I have Father Eli Gieske from the Diocese of Duluth, my pastor at my parish, St. Lawrence and Holy Family here in Duluth. Welcome, Father.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Very
0: welcome to have you, and good to have you with us today. So I'd like to start out with, tell us a little bit about yourself as you're relatively new, well, returning to Duluth, I should say, with your new assignment.
1: Yeah, sure. So I've been ordained seven years. This is I'm in my eighth year of ordination. Um, Studied at St. Thomas for a couple years, did pre-theology there. Then I went over to Rome, uh, studied there for four years. Came back, was assigned at the cathedral here in uh, Duluth. Then we were given uh, St Mary's side of the Sea and Our Lady of Mercy, which is I think now closed. Um, so yeah, and then I was sent out near Brainerd uh, in that area to St Joseph's in Crosby and St Joseph's in Deerwood, and had a couple other parishes that were added: um, Holy Family in, in Hillman and Our Lady of Mercy or Our Lady of uh, Our Lady of Lourdes down in um, uh, Garrison. So kind of made my round over there on that side of the diocese and now i'm back in duluth so i've been here for two months getting settled in liking it it's been good so far
0: um yeah welcome back that's good to have you back. And I met you in Rome when you were over there studying. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Back in 2009, I believe that was. Yeah, yeah yes. that was my
1: first year over there. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: We got to have dinner together, if I remember right, yeah. with Father Rich and a few other couples.
1: Yeah, yeah. I forget where we went to eat, but I remember that we went to Cece uh, that one of the days anyway, didn't we? Did you join us on that day? Yeah. just. Oh, yes, yeah. we did. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. a
0: wonderful day. I didn't know that. I mean, yeah. We had the van. We rented a van. Yeah, That's right. Yep. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And we had a wonderful dinner. I don't know the restaurant either, but... The food was
1: never ending. Yeah, that's one thing in Italy. You always have good food. So. Yes, good food. And
0: Father Rich ran us to, uh, to the to the ground every day and yeah. seeing the churches and basilicas. It was a
1: wonderful time. Yeah, he likes to, he likes to make the rounds over there.
0: He does. He's a wonderful tour guide. So tell us a little bit about your family.
1: Yeah, so I have three other siblings. So I have an older sister, and I've got two younger brothers. Um, my oldest sister and my the brother that was born after me um, are both married, and my youngest brother is going to be married in January. So I'm going to be going home to my home parish down in Lindstrom, Minnesota, for, for the wedding. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents are still living down there. My dad is retired. My mom still works for the parish, St. St. Bridget, Sweden. Um, so, yeah, and I've got four nephews, uh, another child on the way, my his brother and sister-in-law just told us that they were expecting so that's exciting very so,
0: exciting very yeah. exciting so being a priest in the diocese of duluth and not from your uh, original diocese do you have a chance to get back and visit with your family and parents watch
1: uh yes now and then um I, most recently i was down there so my brother who's getting married his his fiance is uh, uh, a convert so she just was uh brought into the church a few weeks ago so with coronavirus and everything going on she her process was delayed, and but now she's yeah you know, she's fully entered into the church, so that's exciting. So that was in my latest time that I've been home. I didn't actually go home home, but I was at the, the parish. Um, before that, I haven't been home since uh, Christmas. Although I usually try to get home Thanksgiving, Mother's Day, Father's Day, those kinds of days. Um, so it's not too far, you know. It's about two hours from here was about two hours and fifteen minutes from where I was, so it's doable. You know, so
0: you can make a day trip if you want to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, very so. nice. So, are you a avid hiker? Do you enjoy the outdoors of our great city in Duluth? Minnesota? Yes, yeah.
1: Uh, I I am a hiker. I, I wouldn't say I'm like professional. I don't like go on like long uh, hikes, but I like to get out and especially here in Duluth, there's so many good places. I've been. Uh, right now, with the leaves as they are, it's been great the last few weeks, especially just getting out there. There's some parts of the Superior Hiking Trail that run not too far from the Saint Lawrence Rectory, so um, I've been kind of making use of the locale and getting to those those spots, and it's been awesome.
0: Excellent, and the leaves are absolutely beautiful. We were talking about that earlier with Dan Hartman from Glencine Mansion, and the colors and the the vibrancy of them with the sunshine on them this year is just incredible to, to get out, and the smell now is starting to develop as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the small. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. Absolutely love that as well. That's great.
1: Yeah. I, I love the outdoors. I, I like to go to the Boundary Waters. I like to do all those kinds of things, but I uh, haven't done as much of that in recent years, but uh, I do lo- like getting out when I can.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, again, welcome to Duluth. It's great to have you with us. Oh, yeah. Thanks. So let's talk about our topic today.
1: Yeah. So, St. Therese. Yes. yes. Our feast day today. i um, very excited, uh, to be celebrating her feast day. It's, uh, I think one of those days when we, I think a lot of people are aware of it. She's a very popular saint, has been for a long time. And I think just her story is, has, has captured the minds of many people. Her, her autobiography, um, story of a soul is, is a very popular read for many people. I think I read it when I was sort of, uh, Getting reintroduced to Catholicism, I had never left officially, but I, had, I was just kind of getting more interested in w- wanting to know more. And I hadn't really done much with the saints growing up, so she was one of the first saints that I read a lot about and read her story. And um, so she she's definitely someone who makes sainthood, I think, livable and real. And um, the way she talks about it in her book, you can get a sense of like, okay, this is something I can do and pursue. Um, it's not fantastical It's not uh, out-of-this-world kind of stuff. It's just very simple, um, day-to-day living of of this faith, and it's, and it's doable. So I think that's what attracts a lot of people to her as a, as a saint. Yeah,
0: And that's important, the doable aspect of living out our faith. Um, I like to say our faith isn't something we do, it's who we are. Mm-hmm. And that means we need to live out our faith on yeah. a day-to-day basis. What was special about her approach uh, in relationship
1: with the Lord? Yeah. So, uh, she's uh, someone who had a lot of loss in her life early on. So, some of her siblings passed away early on. Um, she was the youngest, and when she, I think when she was four years old, her mother passed away. So, because of that, she, she is familiar with, I think, probably must have been a common household topic about where are these siblings, where is mother, where are these people, and you know, are they with God, so it when you have lost like that people that you're close to i think eternal life heaven this all this kind of stuff it's more real because i know someone there right versus this sort of this ethereal idea so i think that probably had some some way of forming her as a person um her her sisters were also uh entering the, the convent the local convent and so there was that connection there as well but i think um if I recall right, she was sick for a while. She had, she was kind of a sickly child, I think, and, um, she was sick for a while, had a, uh, experience with the blessed mother, prayed with her and came to her. And that was a, a, an important moment for her where she was healed from the sickness and, um, kind of had this experience of, of wanting to know more about that, you know? And so the it, how it, the why? Yeah. Yes. So she, she was excited about that. And, I think early on she she wanted to join her sisters in the convent. She was only fifteen. She was only fifteen minute uh, fifteen years old when she uh, went joined the convent. So it was it was pretty an incredible uh, act of faith at such a young age. You know, Um, not not too many people go to religious life at fifteen. Exactly, exactly.
0: And her family does the book talk about her her family being receptive with that.
1: You know, so her father. I think she says that her father was saddened by it, um, but he was very supportive. Like I think, being the youngest, he probably had a uh, you know a special attachment to her, and um, you know already some of his daughters were in the convent, so it was it, it was a sacrifice for him to let her go. But he supported her. They went to the bishop, and eventually they actually went to uh, Pope Leo the Thirteenth to get permission. Um, eventually. Um, through this whole process, the the vicar general, I think, I think, interceded on her behalf and, and kind of got her into the convent. So, um, at the age of fifteen, which is good because she only lived to be twenty four, so she had nine years in the convent, and not a long time really. No, but no. Uh, very impactful for the for all of us in her book. So, um, we won't have her book except for her older sister, I think, who was I don't know if she was the novice mistress or whatever, but she she had a role of kind of guiding Therese and s- said. You know write write your story so that we have something we have memories of you and uh, th- therefore we have this book so it's kind of amazing this saint who was in a cloistered monastery eroded convent we would have known anything about her except through this story and and I think even during the Second World War or the first world war when many soldiers were in France her devotion kind of spread through that experience of them being in in France and kind of came to understand this saint in her little way which very very much, just kind of a, a, a someone who spoke about how do I come to know Jesus, and that, that was something that she was very passionate about seeking and wanting to be in this relationship with with Jesus.
0: We have less than a minute left for our break, but what did she die of at age twenty four?
1: I think it was tuberculosis. tuberculosis. They might they might have called it consumption back then, but yeah. yeah, yeah, wow. It was a long, painful death. Yeah, a lot, a lot of pain that she went through, and a lot of suffering. So,
0: so what's the designation of the little flower tied to her?
1: Yeah. So, um, we have 30 seconds. I think, I think she had a, a, she liked flowers. And then I think over, over the course of her life, there were certain flowers that she kind of reflected on to help her identify with different parts and aspects of her life. You know, whether it was the roses or, you know, things that stood out to her or if she felt like God was speaking to her through the flowers at times. Very nice.
0: That's beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, we're just about to head to break, so stay with us, folks. We have another 15-minute segment to wrap up with Father Eli and hearing a little bit more about St. Therese of Lisieux as well as his personal life and journey as a priest.
2: In in every case, there's a hunger for that which is is true. The hunger for to be loved, the hunger to be understood. Who am I? Is the question that they're asking. And the beautiful thing that we have with with Real Presence Radio is the answer to that question. The answer to who am I? I am a beloved son or daughter of God. And and so the message that we that we promote through Real Presence Radio is exactly the antidote to what what is at the heart of this this confusion, this chaos that we're seeing all around us. And so it, this is a message that has to get spread out, you know, further, broader, more generously. And so it's it's tremendously rewarding for everyone who's involved in this, whether it be sitting in front of a microphone or contributing to the cause or sharing with someone that you run across in the street, "Hey, you got to tune in to, you know, one of the real presence radio stations, the one in your area, because it really is transformative and life-changing."
3: Don't miss the RPR Fall Live Drive. It's coming up October 6th through the 9th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Central. Tune in to hear great stories of faith and conversion while supporting our mission. Listen live on the radio or donate anytime safe and secure at realpresenceradio.com or in the Real Presence Radio app. Thanks for your support of Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. you're listening to real presence live now back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area heard right here on the rpr network
0: welcome back to real presence live this is deacon john Foucault, your host for the remainder of this segment i have with me father eli Giske from the diocese of duluth and my pastor at st lawrence and holy family and we're visiting a little bit about his life as a priest as well as his background, and St. Therese of Lisieux. So welcome back, Father.
1: Thank you. Good to be with you.
0: Good to have you with us. So in talking a little bit about St. Therese, um, how can we apply what she teaches to our daily lives?
1: Yeah, so one of the things that she talks about in her writings is this idea that I'm too small or I'm, I'm too insignificant to do a lot of things, but I can do small things. And so she's also known as the saint of the little way, and she talks about... Um, you know how we can offer Jesus even the smallest things. It could be a little suffering. Um, you know, one of the things that she is well known to, to have done after her life, this wasn't known a lot during her life, but after her life it came out that she was very penitential in many small things, like uh, one of the sisters in the convent would do something that would really annoy her, and she wouldn't say anything about it. She wouldn't She wouldn't let on that it was annoying her. She'd just accept it, or uh, if, if she was slighted in different ways, she would, she wouldn't make a big deal out of it. She wouldn't try to get even. She was very accepting of these small little penances, and she saw this as a way to kind of unite her own little sufferings to to God. Um, she also shares an image, and I like this image because it helps me um, about, you know, sometimes um, we think of ourselves as climbing, sort of climbing the stairway to heaven. We're we're working our way there. We're doing what we can to to get to heaven, and. That we have to cooperate, right? So there, there is that uh, sense. But she talks about like I'm the little child at the bottom of the steps, and I can't, I can't even get up the steps. I'm stuck at the bottom, and all I can do is raise my hands to Jesus and say, "Help me." And uh, in a sense, in her mind, and what she, how she explains is, Jesus comes, picks her up, carries her up the steps. So in a sense, this is a way that for those of us who are feeling like we're at the bottom of the stairway, we're not getting anywhere. I can depend on Jesus to bring me there. I can I can ask Jesus for his help. And I think that's, for, for many people, uh, the idea of being a saint, the idea of pursuing sanctity is, is a challenging thing. And so to have this idea that, okay, it's Jesus that does it in me. It's it's God that's going to work it out in me. That's an encouraging uh, thing for, for us, for many of us. so
0: and That's a beautiful image of at the bottom of the stairs and asking for help and being carried up the stairs by Jesus. That, that's a beautiful image. In regards to the the annoyances and the the penance for that, we all could do a better job of that yeah. in our
1: lives, could we not? Yeah, especially I think we could do we we could use some of that in our our day to today. I think we we're we're good at complaining, we're good at uh, finding the things that we dislike about our neighbor, but we're not always good about just accepting it and saying okay. That's what um, it is. Maybe this person just needs me to be patient with them, and instead of pointing out all their little faults,
0: ex- exactly, and just accept who they are in regards to uh, their personality style, whatever it might be, an annoyance for us, and and learn that we need to improve ourselves to mm-hmm. deal and live better with them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: I think definitely the the communion or community aspect of religious life. I mean, we all live in some community, right? Whether it's our family, our parents' community, but um, that's something that community life uh, really benefits from is when we are patient with one another and we are understanding of one another. And, and yeah, I, I imagine she had a good dose of that in the convent. So uh,
0: I would imagine she did as well. So what are some of the ways that she has been influential in your personal life? I yeah. have some examples for us.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, she is one of those saints, like I said before, that really helps us to make the faith, the living, the faith, seem, um, like it's not so hard. I mean, it is hard, right? I mean, you look at her life and it's incredible what she did, but it's also one of those things I look at a saint like her and I think, gosh, she was 24 when she died and I'm, I'll be 37 in, in a, just a, a month or so. And it's like, wow, what have I accomplished? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm, yep, <laughs> you know, yep. how, how have I, how am I going to change the world? She was obviously very instrumental in many people's lives. And so for me personally, I think just seeing that she, in a sense, just kind of surrendered to God's will and God did it through her. That is very inspirational. That's very helpful because I don't have to come up with a plan of like how I'm going to change the world, how I'm going to reform the church, how I'm going to change the world. It's like, what does God want to do in me? How do I cooperate with that? And that's that's the best thing for me. If I can, if I can just say yes to whatever Jesus is going to do in my life and to see a saint like her... Um, I you know, I think many of us, we don't necessarily feel like we need to become famous like her, but we want to make a difference, right? We want to, we want to be faithful. We want to uh, be inspired. And so she's one of those saints that I think we can just look at and say, here's someone who did it. Her life shows that, um, her, her story of a soul, uh, helps us enter into it. We can see, um, the interior sort of experience that she had, and also what the world saw, which was not very much, actually, in during the course of her life. But in God's providence, he uses her, has used her to, to do amazing things. And that's one of the things, she, she's the patroness of the missions, which she always wanted to be a missionary, but she's in a cloistered convent. So uh, very interesting how, how that came about. And also this idea that she, she wanted to do great things. And I think um, the Office of Readings this morning talks about it. it picks out a part of the, her um, writings where she realizes for herself, her vocation is to be love. It's to love in the church. You know, she's reading the list from uh, First Corinthians. Uh, some are called to be apostles. Some are called to be prophets. And she's like looking at this list and like, Lord, I don't fit any of these. Like, what is my call? And um, he talks about love, the, the hymn to love and how, okay, she she sees in this, this is my call to be To be love in the church, to be in the heart of the church. And that's one of the the great gifts of the religious life, especially the cloistered religious life, is that they pray for the church. They are, in a sense, this embodied love in the way that they live their lives. So, yeah, very inspiring.
0: And it shows that one person can make change. We may feel insignificant, but one person, our actions, what we do, how we pray, um, can make an impact on others throughout our community, our families, our friends, our our, our world. Right. Yes, right. yes, That's fantastic. Um, some other favorite saints that
1: you have? Yeah, there's so many. Um, so when I was in Rome, I really came to love St. Philip Neri. He's uh, the the founder of the Oratorians, which is kind of a, we, not a lot of people don't know about them, but um, his basic thing was to evangelize in the heart of Rome and to kind of try to find ways to bring people to, to Jesus. He was very instrumental in many of the young young men um, that were kind of living on the streets at the time and trying to inspire them and help them to, to come to know Christ and that's kind of where the oratory started is these guys who he kind of ministered to came to know him and to, to serve alongside of him and really serve the poor, uh, evangelize, and so he had lots of ways of creating different ways of helping people to come in contact with the faith in a way that was impactful for them. So he's he's a great saint that I appreciate. Um, I've always... In scripture, I've always uh, St. Peter's always been someone who sticks out to me. I think I, I just identify every time he screws up, which is a lot in the Gospels, I, I'm just like, oh, so I'm right there with you, you Peter. Yep. I'm right there with you. So he's always been a, a good one. Um, St. Paul, uh, my middle name is Paul, so I took that as my confirmation saint. So nice. he's often one that I uh, invoke in terms of preaching, especially when, right before I'm going to preach, I'll ask his intercession. Um, the great missionary zeal that I had, that he had, Uh, so that's very inspiring to me. I I love that about St. Paul. So there, I mean, there's, there's so many, but those are a few.
0: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. We have just a few seconds left. So I just want to thank you for, for being with us and again, welcome you to Duluth. Um, it's good to have you on the show with us today. Any, any closing parting thoughts or Uh, could you give us your blessing?
1: Oh, well, sure. Thank you. It's been a a joy to be with you and I appreciate the work that, uh, that, uh, happens here. So grateful for that. Uh, The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Father, and have a wonderful day. Thank you.
3: Eli, it's back to you. Hey, thanks, Deacon. Great show today. Really had a lot of good guests, a lot of good interviews there. We um, sure did. I, I always love hearing more about the Glensheen Mansion there in Duluth. I'm definitely going to have to check it out next time I make it up that way. But we've got another great show coming up tomorrow morning right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. That'll be hosted by Chris Moats and Heather Carroll coming to you from the South Dakota Right to Life Convention. they will start off the show with Scott Klusendorf of the Life Training Institute about making a persuasive case for life in the public square. Then Dale Barcher, the executive director of South Dakota Right to Life, will talk about defending the sanctity of life in South Dakota. And Dr. Patty Giebink will talk about what co- what caused her to become a pro-life activist. All this and a whole lot more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live. That'll be right here on the Real Presence Radio Network, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, tomorrow morning. Right back to you. Great.
0: Thank you very much, Eli, for that. We greatly appreciate that. It's been a wonderful day. Uh, my first time hosting Solo Host. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, please ask for your prayers for Father Rich and Cindy, as they are not well at this time. And we ask that you take a moment for a prayer for healing and speedy recovery for them so they can join us back on Real Presence Radio. But we did have a wonderful group of guests today and learned a lot about the Glensheen Mansion, uh, the Rosary, St. Therese, and so forth. And I'd like to thank all my guests for joining me today. We do have the live drive coming up next week. I will be a host on Tuesday from the 3 to 5 o'clock segment. So please join any day that you can for the live drive and pray about it between now and then. And open your heart to what God may be calling you to do in regards to financial support so we can continue to bring you Real Presence Radio. Uh, We have a fantastic show tomorrow, as you heard, and we have uh, always great guests and uh, open talk segments on Real Presence Radio. So I'd like to thank you for joining us today in regards to uh, today's show and today's topics, and I hope that you have a wonderful fall season, which is upon us. And if you haven't, get out there, take a walk in the woods, take a walk in the streets, uh, enjoy the beautiful colors of God's creation, and enjoy the smells that He's provided during this time as well and i hope you all have a wonderful remainder of the day god bless you all
3: this has been real presence live on the real presence radio network